Hey, Rockheads. This is Music to Code by Track 12. Check this out. Yeah, just what you need to get in the zone when you write code. And get this, we just added a site license. Download it once, share it with everybody in your office. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1320, with guest Jeremy Cooney. Recorded Thursday, June 30th, 2016. Hey kids, it's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. And we're back in the studio, and um, when is this coming out? July 12th? So it's not not so bad that... Uh, no, no. Yeah. We've, we've done bigger time shift than this. It's kind of a close one, really. It's kind of a close one. 15 days, something like that. Yeah. For us, yeah. <laughs> People you- ask how we do like three shows a week, and I'm like, because we get a good month ahead. Otherwise, things go crazy. Especially uh, all those shows we did in Norway. Those were great. And you can hear my voice is better. <clears throat> yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I've, I'm actually going to read a comment from a show from Norway, too, so we'll talk about that later, but... All right. Yeah, the time-shifting thing can get a little confusing sometimes. Yep. All right. Better know framework time. Awesome. Yep. All right, dude, what do you got? Well, this was sent in by uh, Darshan Marathe, who's uh, been... We've, we've read his stuff before. He's basically created a 2K size replacement for Angular's ng-include, which is neat. So this is, ng-include is uh, an Angular tool that are, or an Angular keyword that lets you include um, modules, JavaScripts from different domains. So oh, it, yeah. But this is just that piece. It's meant for the simple JavaScript programmer who doesn't use Angular. Um, it's got a declarative syntax. It's drop dead easy to use. Some of the features are uh, supporting inline JavaScript inside the remote template. And if you, you know what I'm talking about, if you've used this, supporting script tags with the source attribute inside remote templates, full control over script execution with no script attribute. You can delay loading with load after attribute for any remote template, support for nested partial tags. Zero dependencies, works on IE9+, Plus, Chrome, Opera, Firefox, and all mobile browsers. And uh, it's about 3K normal size and 2K minified. Pretty good. You know, you know what this says to me? The Darshan thinks that ng-include is so good yep. that even if you don't use Angular, you should use this. Right. And it's just a feature of Angular. It was just one of those yeah. things they did. That's a little support library. 
but to pluck it out by itself so that you can just experience that. You don't need to use the rest of Angular yep. to take advantage of ng-include. That's really cool. That's very cool. So thanks, Darshan. And uh, I think you've got a mug, although you're in India. We tried to send you a mug before. You never got it. We're going to try to resend you a mug because that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. All right. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1312, speaking of Oslo, <laughs> and that is the show we did with David Fowler and Damien Edwards, which was also the first show we recorded there. And also and one this, of the most off-the-rails show that we recorded there, too. Totally off-the-rails, and I was, I think I was hallucinating at this point, because my flights have been all screwed up, and I basically came straight from the airport yeah. with a stop in a shower to the recording booth to catch this show. Yep. So I don't, I don't, I should listen to the show. I don't even know what it's about. Anymore. <laughs> I was just in a state at the time. You remember. You were fine. You were fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a great uh, show. This particular comment comes from, uh, from Thomas Parnell, who says, another spectacular show from the Donna Rocks team. Cause we did have a ton of fun. There's something super luxurious about the four of us in a room together, mm-hmm. just kind of going nuts. Mm. I've been following the .NET core project since the days when the shell tools were just called K. I have to admit that I've been blown away by the improvements that have come from beta to beta. Every release seems to get better and better. While delaying the product is a short-term letdown, I truly believe it sets us up for success in the long run. And I think that's what really came across in this show. Yep. Was the, you know, they're doing the right thing. I know it's annoying now, but you'll forget this and be happy with the right thing. Correct. I am definitely willing to wait to get the framework I want, not the framework I'm stuck with. Mm. I think the improvements to the platform solidifies .NET for the future. The cross-platform story improves the reputation of the .NET amongst the larger computer science community. And thanks to everyone at Microsoft whom are shipping .NET of my dreams. Yeah. Awesome, man. Very good. Great comment. I totally agree and I'm happy to read that out. And uh, let me send you a .NET Rocks mug. So a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media. We publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. We obfuscate our assemblies with him. How about that? Love it. Yeah. Well, let's introduce Jeremy Cooney. He's worked at Microsoft since 1997 on such projects as Office, Expression, and now .NET, working on hardware and software compatibility, as well as engineering and project systems beat the limitations of Mac's path into him repeatedly. With the open sourcing of .NET, he saw his opportunity to fight Mac's path back and join the .NET team to do just that. You sick it to Mac's path. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, what, 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 what is that actually? So for those that don't know, max path is the, uh, 260 character limit for paths and windows. Yeah. That's okay. been around for a long, long time. Is it just a constant that's in the windows operating system somewhere that somebody could have easily changed to five twelve? It is a constant. That's part of the headers for windows. Um, uh. so it, it's been baked into many, many, many uh, stack allocations for, uh, well, now like 30 years. So That's not oh, something you easily get around then without breaking stuff, huh? No, it was a tricky problem. I mean, there's this has been a big beast and like been causing a lot of problems, particularly for developers that care about having a lot of uh, 
space for doing your temp folders and build folders and so on and so forth. And, you know, as hard drives have gotten bigger, so have the disk hierarchies that we use to organize stuff on our drives. And absolutely. And, you know, and the web is also coming to play with this. People are actually like storing stuff in the cloud now and, uh, you know, we'll inevitably see like, you know, our, our in-laws and so on and so forth starting to call us because they can't name their folders anymore. (laughs) It'll be deja vu back to 95. File names that are paragraphs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Once you start organizing those hundred thousand photos you've taken, you know, you can really come up with some great, crazy long path names. Yeah, the worst That's is... That's what GUIDs are for. Right, yep. but how about <laughs> embedding GUIDs right in the folder path, right? I mean, that happens a lot. Yeah, quite fun, quite amusingly, I actually just ran across somebody internally. There was another product at Microsoft that was actually using GUIDs to uh, <laughs> to create their, their paths. And, uh, of course, we're oh, running man. into uh, some long path problems. Yeah. So... So how does one get around this limitation? Well, you know, that people have been wanting to fix it for a long time. Um, you know, Kim Hamilton worked on paths and, and .NET and did a lot of posts on long paths about uh, eight, 10 years ago. Um, things, it's a big problem. And, you know, if you try to look at it in its, in its entirety, it, it, it's, it scares people away, right? Because the, you know, as you fix the individual pieces, you know, so many things are built on top of that. Like, okay, we can fix Win32, but like the shell doesn't work or the, you know, command prompt doesn't work. And then, of course, the apps on top of that and so on and so forth. You know, people look at it as this giant problem that like, oh, we have to swallow the whole thing at once. And, you know, that scared a lot of people away. Um, part of it, too, is there's a sort of a lack of understanding of the technical pieces that underlied it so you know you imagine because the whole problem is yeah. so big that it that it's it's either super I, I think i've seen this for a lot of things you know these giant massive problems are either people either assume that they're super easy and why didn't you fix it just do it right right or they assume it's completely impossible <laughs> yeah you know you fill in the blanks one way or the other very and uh those sorts of things were keeping things from happening um, a lot of things started to happen that like over the past, you know, five, 10 years that facilitated actually getting some traction on starting to fix this stuff. Um, one of which is the older OSs have been dropping off. Uh, you know, so nine X is a long gone problem. You know, mm-hmm. now we're up to what Vista, right. For mm-hmm. minimum supported stuff. And, you know, Vista is actually a really big jump. Uh, as far as underlying OS technology for those of us that remember, it was a quite a long time in yeah. between XP and Vista. Sure was. So there was a lot of stuff in there. So that's happened. Um, one of the other things that happened was uh, Microsoft had a big shift. And one of those, of course, which you've seen recently is .NET core, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that and was shipped. kind of, Yes, it did. Woohoo! Woohoo! It's exciting. Being part of the yeah. .NET Core team, I'm pretty excited about that. Yes, shipping. <laughs> so, <laughs> thing that I realized when I was working on Expression was like the only way you were going to actually fix long path problems was to fix .NET, because even if you fix it in the OS, .NET is part of like almost every workflow you can possibly think of. So it becomes really a blocker, and uh, you know. If you can't work, 
write managed code that goes over 260, you're stuck, right? Right. Very few workflows just include native code, period. So I, I realized that was a problem. Um, and when this new .NET Core thing came around, I'm like, oh, this is cool. It's out on GitHub. I'll go take a look at this thing. And it occurred to me that it was something that it could actually be fixed. So, uh, as you mentioned in the, the lead off. So I opened an issue on it and gave it some more thought and then realized, well, you know, I really care about this thing. Maybe I should see about trying to go work on the .NET team. Mm. So I did. And thankfully... And now, when you when you made a choice to go to the .NET team, you already had an idea of how to fix it? I did. I did. And I had the passion already. Yeah. And that's what drove me and over what, there. What job were you in at this point, Jeremy? Where were you? I was still with Blend. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I, I mean, right adjacent to Visual Studio and the .NET team and so forth, like you're still part of that group overall. Correct. Correct. So, they're all part of the developer division. Yeah. So, I had interacted with them at various points uh, around path stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, I hit the, the particular limits I hit, you know, way back in the early days of expression. So was your hunch right about how to fix it? Was that was it as simple as go to the .NET team and just did what you thought was going to work and it worked? Or were there more challenges when once you started getting in there? It was fairly simple. And, the, you know, the whole .NET Core thing made things a lot easier uh, than it would have been to do it for the uh, the desktop or, you know, the, the .NET 4.5, mm. 4.6 related stuff. Uh, you know, things had already been trim back, you know, we didn't have security model in there. That was actually one of the key points. If you go back and look at Kim Hamilton's posts on long path support that was blocking things, hmm. you know, .NET, in order to do limited trust, you know, and do file permissions and so, so forth, .NET has to rely on paths being normalized and doing that with the existing, uh, long path support in windows, which there is, for those that don't know, you can actually use long paths. You have to, however, use uh, the uh, DOS device syntax in a very specific form of that, which is the double backslash right. uh, question mark pre prefix on the front of the path. Um, using those in .NET was also a problem because, like, how do you canonicalize those sorts of paths against, you know, the traditional C colon backslash whatever? Right, right. And, uh, you know, getting, uh, the security model messed up was something that obviously we're very, uh, hesitant to do. So that was also keeping people held back. The other thing is that stuff was kind of spread out all over the place, uh, as far as like P invokes and, you know, calls into the OS. Yeah. As part of moving out to .NET Core, you know, the all that stuff had to be centralized in order to go cross platform. And, yeah, yeah. uh, that really facilitated making this happen. So, I mean, what I did do and what has happened and what is in .NET uh, Core 1.0 is that uh, you can use long paths anywhere. Mm. So, .NET will actually, or .NET Core will actually take care of putting the extended syntax on before it calls the OS. And uh, so, we'll I, I'm really interested to know how you got that happening. But, um, but first, there uh, we we read your original post on GitHub about, you know, it's time to fix long pass in February of 2015. And the reaction was kind of 
surprising, huh? There are very much two camps. <laughs> yeah. And they're very polar. Yeah. Um, you know, the general argument against is that, you know, the world is going to burn, right? Buffer yeah. overflows, You're going to kill everything. We're all yeah. going to die. Here's a quote. This yeah. will never happen and should never happen. Please do not add implicit long path support to .NET. It will be a nightmare for users who have files that they have created in one app and are inexplicably unopenable in other apps. In other words, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of arguments back for it. And, you know, I actually spent a long time uh, running around all the different Windows groups last year to talk to them about what I was doing with .NET and to, you know, kind of prod the the whole thing forward a bit. And, you know, one of the key arguments for actually doing it is that long paths already exist. Yeah. And they're just becoming more and more prolific. Um, other platforms uh, actually do this already. And that is just going to be leaking more and more of these in. And one of the problems is, is that, you know, people rolling their own extended syntax support or implicit support like this, uh, there's a great opportunity to get it wrong. Uh, paths on windows are actually really complicated, mm. uh, particularly compared to say Unix, lots of power, but a lot of ways to get it wrong. Um, and one of the things that happens of course is with this is that, uh, with the extended syntax, right? You actually, that question mark thing, it, it has two features basically, right? So, it's the same thing as the backslash backslash period you know, prefix. It works the same way. They're both uh, DOS device paths that get into the, the Win32 namespace and the object manager. But the question mark does two things, and this causes additional issues, is that one of them is it says, okay, don't check for max path. You know, that, that's an actually a, a totally arbitrary check. Hmm. So... It's there just because, well, that used to be the limit. Let's, let's keep that there and make sure that we don't let that through. But, you know, with adding the long path support in general, you know, so the, the extended paths, it, you know, it had to let them through. And so that's all going through one point. The other thing that happens is that thing skips normalization. So when you use the question mark syntax, it doesn't go to the get full path name API, which, you know, takes out the, the, the directory segments that are the, the parent and current directory. And yeah. also a few other very obscure things that are meant for compatibility. Uh, one of which is like removing the uh, trailing single period in a directory segment. Um, the rules are actually sort of very subtle and complicated about how, what it does with a path. And I bet, I bet when you get it wrong, weird things happen. It's not like you spit out a nice clean error message. It just, that no, you can't the, find a file or weird, you know, just odd behavior. The, well, the, the, it's actually the, the behavior that you normally get is what happens is you don't like you have a period at the end of a file name. You end up yeah. creating that file name with a period. Yeah. And now nobody can access it unless they use extended syntax. Um, <laughs> right. So that's a problem. And that's another argument for like, you know, ultimately trying don't to ever do it. this. Windows to remove it, right? To try and move this far yeah. as far up the stack as possible because, you know, it's one thing 
if you can't open a super long file name uh, under a legacy application, you know, but uh, it's another thing if you can't open something that's under a hundred path, hundred character path that just happens to have a period stuck on the end of one of the uh, segments, which in theory you should be able to open because it's under, under max path, but you know, we need to right. iterate those things in and that's, that's not good either. So that was another argument. And, it, uh, and the other part is that like from developer standpoint, it, it's, it's really tough, right? You know, like, uh, I, I can tell you that I, I had to keep closing this bug over and over and over again that somebody would create a new project with, you know, their username happened to be like 20 characters long and they named their project 30 characters long and you can create the project, you go to build and you've gone over MaxPath, right? So, uh, you know, so shadow caching, all these other things that have to happen, you know, get really, really tricky to do. Does it fundamentally mean in .NET Core that uh, long files that you create are somehow going to be n- look very strange if you pull up Windows Explorer and look for those uh, paths themselves? Well, as of right now, you won't be able to get beyond the uh, the max path in Windows Explorer. Got it. But I mean that that limitation has already existed. It exists, and it's not you haven't got around that. No, no. But Windows is now actively looking at this problem. And people have noticed that some of this has snuck into the, uh, or some support has snuck into the the current uh, fast track builds. Is it possible so, that there could be one rule for Win32 apps, uh, you know, um, legacy apps, and another rule for uh, more modern apps that choose to use uh, a different, um, how should we say a different constant? <laughs> if it's so that simple, what will likely happen? I mean, nothing is, is shipped as far as the windows side of things as, as is concerned, but, um, you know, both of these will be configurable on a, on a per app basis. So, um, as far as like low level OS support, you'll be able to set your manifest and, and get, opted into being able to use long pass and uh, .NET has that capability as well. And that's the other thing that I've done, pulled back some of the support back into uh, the desktop.net. Um, not so the implicit can... support, but the ability to use uh, extended pass, these DOS device pass. And of course, we're just only focusing on the Windows side of this equation, right? All of this is somewhat easier since .NET is kind of new coming to Linux and OS X. Yeah, so for .NET, it was kind of a, you, you really had to do something. Um, right. Because, you know, 260 is not the limit on Unix. There's actually right. a whole wide variety of limits, but they're, all of them are over 260. Um, at, at the very least, you're up to like a thousand, um, uh, some things, it's up to 4K. Uh, it, it depends on the distribution. But, uh, you know, 260 is clearly not going to fly. <laughs> so, um, that was the impetus to at least get that moving forward. Uh, I took it the rest of the way and pushed it to not just like, well, let's make all our defines like 1000 or 4000. Uh, I did that temporarily, but you know, long, ultimately now we are, we go with arbitrarily long paths or, or effectively arbitrary 
So the runtime in .NET Core actually supports long paths, and you know we updated all the native code there to actually stop working off of uh, fixed size stack allocated buffers. So now you can go as deep as you want on any OS. And on top of that, you know we didn't want to actually have you doing any extra thinking to do work with long paths on Windows. So it would be strange if you had to like change your code to be able to put the, the that extended syntax in yourself, mm. you know, and do the check all on my Windows. Okay, let me put that on there. You know, that, that's not really great for a cross-plat story. So uh, the implicit support was important, and it was it was easier to sell doing that work. So yeah, you, you kind of want Windows to not be the crippled one of the bunch, right? Like yeah, <laughs> that yeah that's like where you were headed. <laughs> yep. Definitely important. <laughs> from, and I also from, get this idea that you had this opportunity because the process of extracting the .NET Core out of Windows so that it could be cross-platform meant that a bunch of the complexity amongst, um, you know, the path length got consolidated. The, yeah, the consolidation helped and, you know, some of the uh, sort of depreciated features that made it simpler as well. You know, the, uh, notably the security model is much simpler i.e. there is really not a security model. We leave that to the OS, right? So for .NET Core. And that, that was that was a tricky one to try and get around. So uh, I did, however, take a bit of a shortcut as it was for the desktop. Um, mm-hmm. Rather than solve that thorny problem in a like, well, limited trust, can we use long paths and use extended paths and all this stuff and make that work? Um, I basically allowed extended syntax or these uh, DOS device paths in uh, the desktop uh, code if you're in full trust. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the, the security model at that point is essentially a no-op anyway. So yep. that, that was a relatively easy way to get around it. And in, in, in truth, probably covers, you know, 99% of the, the cases people really need long paths anyway. So I guess with this technology comes some guidance, which is should be obvious, but in case it's not, you should really only be writing to folders with long path names if your app is really the only one that you plan on using it. Correct. So developers are the are the initial target for this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, part of that's just doing your work right in. You know, we want to get past that point where you can't like sync a repo on Windows, right? Right. Yeah. So, and that's that is definitely coming. So, the question is exactly when. Uh, but you know, Windows is actually actively moving forward on these things. Um, I can't really talk about details on exactly what they're doing, but there is definitely work happening. The ball is rolling. Um, the .NET thing is like unblocked stuff, and you know everybody is very aware of right. the uh, pain. Developers in particular, and yeah. they're also aware of that. Like you know, it will become a uh, end user pain point as the, the years move on. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's never gonna it's never gonna be painless, but it's probably at the least painful point right now. Correct. Enough enough things have like come together to make this happen. Right. There was, there was a bit of a serendipity that I happened to like stick my nose into the, the problem at just the right time. But, uh, 
Well, and also crazy enough to care about an insanely complicated problem. Yeah. <laughs> sure. This is your crazy. Yeah, I am crazy. And, you know, <laughs> I know I'm also like annoyed. And that, that's really, yes. for, for me as a developer, that's one of the things that drives me. It's like, you know, our, our days are always filled with uh, a gazillion things that annoy us, right? It's a matter of what like pops up to the top of the stack. And that's annoyed me enough that I'm just going to go and fix that stupid thing. You know, right. sick of it. <laughs> And, and this is one that beat me over the head for long enough that it was pretty high on my annoyance list. So, yeah, I, that you'd hit it before working on expression and things helps. You already, you always, you always hated that thing. Someday I'll get you, and you got it. Yep, vengeance, vengeance is mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Richard, crushed it like a bug. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. It must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to increase the value. Finally, increase the value of the .NET Rocks max underscore humor constant from, uh, let me see, what is it now? What? Point zero 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 one. Who wrote this crap? (laughs) I think think you did. Oh, I guess I did. (laughs) <laughs> All right, it's actually time to give away a Sync Fusion Essential Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. With over 650 controls, Sync Fusion's Essential Studio is the most comprehensive suite of components available for .NET and JavaScript and mobile with world-class diagrams, maps, and charts. Reduce your development time, save some money, and get the best support in the industry. These are just a few of the reasons over 800,000 people make SyncFusion a part of their daily dev process. And now, individual developers and small teams can get access to every single control in SyncFusion's library for free. That's right. The Community License also gives you access to SyncFusion's growing library of enterprise applications like Dashboard Platform and Big Data Platform that can help make sense of complex data. Support and updates are included, too. It's a $10,000 value for free. Find out more and get started today at SyncFusion.com. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Jeff Beery. Uh, Congratulations, Jeff. Golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Jeff Beery. And uh, Jeff just won the SyncFusion Essential Studio. If you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors, and every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. We like to ask our guest, Jeremy... If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, right now, we're going shopping. What are you going to buy? Yeah, I'll tell you, the uh, that new 10-core Intel chip is looking oh. mighty interesting. Wow. Yep. What do you do I'm with thinking, a 10-core? Im- what do you do with a chip like that? A lot of VMs <laughs> simultaneously. <laughs> okay. They are cross-platform now, right? So I'm running lots of Unix boxes on my box, so... Mm. Okay. You know, 10 core CPU, 128 gigs of RAM. Yeah, I think I'd be taking my uh, machine out. Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> 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 
You know, you know, what's funny is that Microsoft has only recently switched over to per core licensing from per socket licensing. And it's almost like Intel kind of missed the boat here. This was always AMD's Ballywick. They had like 32 cores to a socket. The, the, the downside being, of course, the, their individual cores had nowhere near the clout of the Intel cores. But uh, mm. it's just really interesting to see that we're starting to get more of these high-end cores together inside of one chip. Wow. So are there any mainstream PCs that are using this chip yet, or do you have to build your own? Uh, I think you have to build your own. Yeah. The, you know, unless you go to one of the high-end PC makers. Uh, it's tempting. It's the, their extreme edition, I guess they call it. Yeah, they've always had an extreme edition, which, you know, comes with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> well, and they're expensive. Like, you're talking a two grand for your CPU. Yeah, it's like 1700 bucks is the is the list on yeah. there. Wowzers. Got to make their money somehow, I guess. So, you do have to run the right software that would actually take advantage of this. Yeah. And, you know, some ga- games will take advantage of that. And certainly... Um, encoding and stuff like that but you know my particular scenario is more that i want to be able to run vms and give them enough cores to like not choke right so jeremy there may be obvious things here that we we should talk about um because people might not be thinking about them but they seem sort of obvious which is backward compatibility i suppose if you use net core and you're writing some c-sharp code and you're taking advantage of this new stuff and you try to run this on a version of the framework before, like 4.5 or 3.5, it ain't going to run, is it? No. Um, 4.6.2, it will run once the uh, OS actually enables the support. Okay. Which, um, in theory, won't be too long. Uh, I'll leave it to them to talk about exactly when they'll do that. But Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it is enabled though going forward. So, you know, as as we unblock these things, and hopefully, you, the next couple of years, you know, you'll be able to not worry about whether or not you're running a .NET Core or desktop, or right. you know, as long as you're running the latest Win Ten, which in theory, you know, everybody will be. Yeah, since it's uh an automatic upgrade for people or a free upgrade yep. uh, that, uh, you know, long path problem will, will slowly fade. In. And that's actually kind of another thing that helps drive this too, is actually making it feasible is the, the change in the model of how we ship OSs, Right. So, you know, once you're on win 10, you're, you're on win 10. Right. right. And, you know, there's no intent to do another one and there's no win 11 or anything like that. And, we're going to keep giving out the updates to people. So that makes a big difference in like taking care of some of these long standing uh, technical debt type problems, I guess. Yeah. It's again, it's another one of those moments of now was the time. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. And you'd never worked on the .NET framework before you, you've been around it, but you didn't work directly on it. I mean, you've been around since the very beginning of it. I've been around since the beginning of it. I've been an active user and, you know, a fan of it for sure um, for a long time because, you know, again, you know, it's what 2004 that I started working on expression and that was, that was completely .NET based, right? So it was yeah, all managed. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a, 
That was the beginning of this vision of the designer and the developer sort of working together with, you know, tools that were friendly with each other. Yep, absolutely. That was a fun and crazy time, too, bringing that stuff up. Yeah. But it was also, I don't know that it ever really happened the way they were trying to make it happen. Uh, not exactly. Um, some people did fall into the workflow that we were trying to, to put out there and uh, were very productive with it. But, you know, things as they were 10 years ago were quite different. Um, the, you know, back then people were talking about how flash would like take over everything. Right. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, things do change. I mean, the like, they were wrong. <laughs> they were a little wrong about that one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that, but, that, uh, that was the big platform thread at that point. If you, if you remember. And we did find, we, you know, we've been doing shows the whole time, too. We did find a few folks out there. Um, Rocky Laka was one of them that had a designer that worked closely with them, and they had that sort of expression mm. and blend to Visual Studio relationship that was really cool, but it did seem to be the exception. It, it is for, uh, from at least my perspective, um, you know, buried in the code mines, working on the lower parts of this stuff, so. Sure. But. You know, it's uh, the the vast majority of developers out there are like working on like uh, internal tools and things like that. Yeah. You know, having a designer around was not really big on a lot of people's lists. So it's great that we're so we now care you're in the dot net core team. I mean, couldn't you have just done this as an open source contributor? I could have. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I probably would have because it annoy me enough but you right. know you know a lot more productive joining the team and doing it and uh, there was no guarantee well, why, yeah and why not get paid right yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah there was no guarantee that they were going to let me like you know party on it exactly the way i wanted to but uh they did much to their credit and that so that you know just again yet another thing that helped push this along you know, sure. I could have done the bare amount to like enable the Unix end of things and, and, uh, not done all the other things that I did. You know, I, I, well, the, I cleaned up the normalization that happens in, in .NET and made it actually match what Windows does. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some fundamental changes to the way normalization happens in .NET on the desktop too. Now, when you mm. go to 462, I, I talk about it in, in, a, in more detail on my, on my MSDN blog, but, Mm -hmm. You know, this, these are things that like gets back to my original point of like paths and windows are actually really complicated. And, you know, even with all the attention that .NET developers and the internal access that they, they, uh, they had to, uh, to the windows team and the source code and so forth, you know, .NET still got a number of things wrong. Um, it took the better part of a year with me, like beating into this and, you know, digging into the windows source code, which thankfully I have access to speaking of, yet another thing that helps push this stuff forward. But sure. uh, it wasn't until about a year in that it finally all like clicked. You know, I finally understood yeah. exactly how this stuff worked from one end to the other, you know, and even on the windows team, you know, everybody, it's a huge, huge team. You know, I mean, I'm sure you know that. And, you know, everybody has their own piece of the pie and that pie, that piece of the pie is still huge and complicated, yeah. difficult to, to understand. So, you know, once you've take, gone from like the object manager to like the file system drivers and the file systems folks and like 
keep working up the stack. There's so many people in that chain, you know, the, the, the view of like what the world is, is completely or, you know, very different, you know, from, from one level to the next. And, you know, the, the terminology changes and so on and so forth. So like when you go and like, look at, you know, all the, the existing pages and things on, on paths, it's very hard to follow because, you know, the terms are kind of shaky and they, they float all over the place and you're like, all right, well, they don't go into a lot of detail and they get started ascribing certain magical properties to like whatever they're talking about. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people assume, for example, that like backslash backslash period is means my current machine, you know, like it's a uh. UNC, right? And it's like, no, no, that's not a UNC. That's a DOS device path. Mm. And it's very easy to see how people fall into that trap because it will behave kind of like a UNC if you're like working with a pipe or, or, or uh, like a mail slot or something like that. Um, speaking of yet more obscure things that like come into a path namespace, right? You know, right. You, think, you know, paths are really the things that you use for create file. And that's not just yep. like your file. It's also these other things. And oh, wait, there's other functionality on there too. Like, uh, you know, alternative data streams, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys know about that, but, uh, you know, you can have their, you know, a, a file on NTFS is just a, a series of, of streams. And, you know, the main portion of the file that everybody thinks about is the file is one type of stream called data. And it's a very particular stream that's named empty stream, essentially, mm. right? So that's, right. The, that's the default data stream. And you can actually access and create other streams on these things with the alternate data stream. And, you know, Windows does this for uh, one concrete example is like when you download stuff off the internet, you know, you go to launch that thing and it's like, oh, well, this came from the internet, right? You know, danger. Right. <laughs> uh, it actually, it actually creates another data stream on the file. And that's how it knows that that thing was there. And like, once you go and uncheck the box and whatever else, it removes that extra data stream. Yeah. Um, but that's a normal path to get access to those things. It's just you use colons at the end of the path. Um, that's something now that we we allow in .NET as well, um, but only with uh, with uh, the DOS device path syntax because it's obscure and uh, felt that it was not so uh, you know just using regular paths. You know, didn't want people falling into that by accident or as easily. Because most people expect that to not be a valid path, as it were. Right. But, you know, we're still unblocking those things, uh, unblock other things. You know, people assume that, like, you know, you look at the, the paths, like, you can only use certain characters, right? You know, you can't use a, a less than or a greater than symbol, for example, in, in your path. Uh, but you can for, say, a pipe, right? Um, and that blocked usage for certain pipes with .NET, for example. Oh, man. So uh, that's something that, you know, is part of going in this. So there's a lot of side benefits to this, too. You know, like going through it with a fine-tooth comb. And it, it was rather actually good that I started on the, the .NET Core side because I got to ignore all the, like, noise that was around everything and just kind of essentially write something from scratch, if you will. Uh, not exactly that, but, like, effectively. And, like, I was able to like say, look, well, how would you write this new compatible thing and like not have to carry all the baggage with it? Like, all right, I did it in isolation. I didn't think about the other things. You know, there's already actually some long path support in 
the .NET desktop stuff. So, you know, it was uh, the uh, isolated storage actually supports lawn paths. Right. And so there was a lot of infrastructure and work done to like, in theory, like move that forward as being like a long path solution. Um, but, you know, that had to carry all the baggage of working along with the other .NET desktop stuff. And, uh, you know, I was able to take this kind of fresh approach from .NET Core and pull it back and figure out how to integrate that correctly. Um, and I think we're in a much better place because of that. So we got all these these additional sort of side benefits that weren't really, you know, the, the driving factor. The biggest thing was just like, stop blocking me at 260. Let me go. Yeah. But right. then there are all these other things like, um, you know, you, you can, for example, create a path. It's l- totally legal to create a directory with a space on the end of it. Uh, it's yeah. a little tricky to do, but uh, that would cause .NET to choke. Ask me how and I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's guess what? Like, it, won't, it, yeah. it won't kill you anymore. Not well, in .NET Core. It's been more like file names in Windows that have spaces have have heard us before. Yeah, yeah we publish a, a file, uh, MP3 file in a particular format. And sometimes, you know, the editor will just accidentally type an extra space and, you know, everything goes to hell pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, .NET Core handles that, and so yeah. does the, the desktop now. Um, as a matter of fact, it, yeah, it's, it's enabling me to do other things, too. Like uh, in .NET Core, I, I put a fix in for, you know, deleting a directory. Um, you know, we, I use the extended syntax to do that now as we walk down the, to delete the directory. So now you won't run into these problems anymore where you have a, uh, a, uh, one of these things with a trailing space or a trailing period, even and like, Oh, oh, sorry. Mm. Exception can't delete your directory because like it told us there was a file and we normalized that, that file name away. when We call back to windows again. Are there any caveats for other platforms than windows that we need to talk about? For long paths? Yeah. Uh, not. I, mean, I think the biggest thing is that, like, you know, the thing that blocks you on all these things are not really the file system. Uh, on any of these things, the file system is you will handle paths that are essentially infinite, mm. right? Uh, it, it's more of an implementation. So, like, the spec for NTFS or FAD or whatever else, right? You know, they all support you know, nested directories up to like, well, you have ran out of space right on the, on the, on the media. Yeah. Um, uh, the only place where you run into real like problems with the, the max path, as far as media is concerned is optical stuff. And you know, oh. that's becoming like, you know, CDFS and uh, UDF and those sorts of things um, actually have it baked into their, into their spec that you, you can only go up to a certain length, but you know, it's all about the implementations in the in the operating system around the file system itself. You know that that the as to what your real limit is in, okay. in Windows, it, like the limit happens to be the size of a Unicode string, right? So, yeah, yeah. When you look at the specs on that, you know, it says, well, you know, if you use extended syntax, your your uh, your max path is approximately thirty two thousand characters, and that's because of the what it can fit into a Unicode string. And it has to be approximate in the case of the Windows side because 
you know, that path gets translated as it works its way up to the object manager. So mm-hmm. it may get longer or shorter, you know, as it, as it works its way up. So, you know, a few characters that way or this way. And so, all right, well, about 32,000, right? Hmm. Or, you know, uh, half a half a U short of bytes, right? Mm-hmm. Or a mm-hmm. short of, and that's that's what Unicode underscore string in uh, Windows is. Uh, on, on the Unix side, the only thing I've seen is that, like, it, some operating systems are around 1000 characters others are around 4000 i think that's probably the, the the only like sort of cross platform tip as far as long paths is like if you keep to like a thousand characters or less you're probably pretty safe um <laughs> outside, outside of that you're starting yeah. to be a little just keep it under no a thousand characters or less here type this in <laughs> yeah but you know it happens i mean it like we had a, uh, you know, there like Node.js creates a whole bunch of folders on, for its packages, and that's how it, on disk and maintains its structure. Mm-hmm. There were uh, issues with that, and they had to tweak the way they worked on Windows to be able to like unblock some of the scenarios. They're still max path limited, um, right? They're not hitting the the wall quite as fast to to a few tweaks, but there are still things that you can do on the other OSs with Node.js that you can't do on Windows. Um, but, you know, saying cross-platform and everything, you know, 1,000 characters is still a far cry from 260. Sure, yeah. It, and, it's, it's certainly giving you some breathing room, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and in theory, we could go longer. It's not actually a hard limit there. It's just you're confident up to a certain length. Correct. Correct. So... Uh, and, you know, a lot of them are like, uh, 4,000 characters. Right. On, uh, the, on the Unix distributions. Which yeah. ought to be enough for anyone. Yeah. Uh. Never go over that. <laughs> yeah. I had, I have, I've been famous having a lot of deja vu right. to 25, 26 years ago with doing this. And, it, and it, it's very rewarding to me to like make the next step past the last thing that really annoyed the out of me. Right. And right. That, and I'm sure you remember quite vividly the uh, 8.3. Oh, yes. File name limitation. So. Yeah. It, it, but it was feels- also the era of the 20 meg hard drive. We just weren't in the desperate states that we're in now. No, no. But we were getting kind of there. I mean, I was I was kind of an early adopter of the Internet stuff, and I was really getting kind of really frustrated at the time. Like, I can't think of any other ways to name these files. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a whole other way that naming is hard. So were you able to do everything that you wanted or there's still more tweaks to be made? Yeah. You done? Well, you know, there's, there are some more tweaks that I want to do in, in .NET core. You know, one of the, the sort of fundamental changes or like design philosophy things that have been going around is like stopping second guessing the OS you know, I think that's one of the flaws for, for .NET in general, if you were to pick one, is that, like, it, sometimes we try to be a little too helpful, right? Mm. Um, the, like, the long path thing was one thing in general. Like, you pass something in, we go, oh, you know, well, that's over 260. Well, I better throw an exception for that. But doing that before, like, the OS will actually tell us that anyway, right? Right. So, um, I'd rather leave that to the OS. and like. 
and you know, I, I've moved it up to 32,000 to keep the behavior kind of the same, but you know, ultimately I want to remove that and let it, let the OS tell us when things are actually bad because it's really the one that knows. And the same thing goes, and this is what I did do is like for normalizing the paths is that like the OS knows how to normalize the path, you know, us re-implementing or .NET re-implementing what the OS does. It's going to get it wrong. It did. And no matter how hard you try, even if you do get it absolutely correct at one point, windows is going to make a change. And then suddenly we're going to have to patch everything and make it work again. Right. So, um, I'm going to continue to drive down that road till you know, move things to letting the OS handle it. This is kind of a general thing happening anyway. I think if you look at like security, right? We said like, well, look, you really should like have one arbiter, right? For the, for the security rather than yeah, yeah. trying to build multiple layers on top, on top of that. So that's one thing. Um, another thing is like, I want to like, and we intend to, it's just a matter of time and priorities to continue to pull back, uh, more long path support into the desktop. So, I mean, right now, you know, if it will allow, we do this, we had, we have the new, uh, normalization, the normalization that's in .NET core is in, in four, six, two, okay. the, uh, the, we don't, we, there's also, a, and they're, they're behind compatibility switches on the desktop as well. So you actually have to target four, six, two or, or opt in via your config file. Hmm. But, the other one is that like, all right, we don't throw at max path anymore. Right. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll still throw it like 32,000 till we have some more time to think about the implications of, you know, people trying to throw ridiculously side strings at the, at the thing. But, um, that enables it like when windows has the switch and you can drop in the, your manifest or whatever they end up doing and throw the switch on, desktop and long pass will work on, on, uh, on windows, um, doing the implicit work on windows is actually a much, much more difficult problem because again, like we, as we've already talked about stuff isn't centralized. So, you know, going down and hunting down all the places where we've done the P invokes and wrapping all of them is a pretty big task and risky. (laughs) So, um, yeah, very good. Well, uh, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you uh, want to jump in in the last few minutes? Um, did you uh, know where the 260 came from? Well, Why no. Yeah, it's a kind of a funny number. Yeah, it's it's a very strange number. And if you look back at the really old things, they've always been strange. And the reason why it's not like, oh, I don't know, 255 or 256, you know, it's kind of a, a more Cody type of limit, right? Yeah. Is... Uh, the current directory and the current drive were stored separately. If you go back to DOS. Yeah. So makes sense. Now now we have a very Cody limit, which is the actual path past the drive. (laughs) Just the 200, 255 characters plus the, you know, the trailing null plus the C colon backslash. Right. 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 There you go. Wow. That's it. That makes sense. So there's a little bit of trivia for you. Very good. That's cool. Are you uh, are you going to stay in the team? Have you got other projects in mind? Yeah, I'm staying on the team. I'm uh, digging deeper into the uh, system IOS and uh, looking at unblocking other particular things, like uh, being a little bit more generic with uh, uh, the file streams, stuff like that. 
so we better support for some of the more obscure things like files for like mail slots and and pipes and things like that so that's that's kind of the immediate thing yeah very good cool all right jeremy thanks for spending this hour with us it's been amazing sure thanks for having me. all right we'll see you next time on dotnet rocks .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a